the Bible reading this morning shall be taken from the books of Luke chapter 5 verses 12 to 16 and Hebrew chapter 7 verses 21 to 26. Luke chapter 5 verses 12 to 16. While Jesus was on the town, was while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell, to his, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but, go, but show yourself to the priest and offer sacrifices that Moses commanded you, commanded for you cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that all crowds of people came to him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Hebrew chapter 7, verses 21 to 26. But he became a priest with an oath when God said to him, The Lord has, shown, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Because of this hope, Jesus has become the guarantee of all better covenants. Now, there has been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest meets our needs, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above heavens. May God bless the reading of his words. Thank you, Ralph. Appreciate that. If you need to hear some good news, you've come to the right place. Uh, my name is Jonathan. Uh, welcome to Windsor District Baptist Church. It's my privilege to serve as one of the pastors here at WDBC. Uh, we are glad that you're here. We are a church that is looking forward to the transforming work that God is going to do in your life. We believe that he changes people through his word and through his spirit, which is why as we gather week to week, we open the word of God and we proclaim its truth. Uh, if we didn't get a chance to meet, I'd love to catch you after the service. It's great to be with you this morning. As I said, if you need to hear some good news, you've come to the right place. Uh, but it's going to get a little bit awkward first. <laughs> uh, the big question that we're looking at today is who is to say what is pure and impure? Who's to say what's pure or impure? Who's to say what is clean or unclean? This is a very controversial subject, 
uh, in our age today. Uh, if you don't believe I'm right, just go up to somebody sometime this week, maybe while you're shopping, maybe uh, while you're going at the water cooler, uh, and tell them to say, you know, I don't know if you're living a pure life. <laughs> See what they say. Uh, it's a very controversial question. Who is to say what is pure and impure? Uh, we are so stuck trying to deal with this question of what it means to be pure or what it means to be clean uh, that we just try to push the question out altogether. And so we often in our day, we find ourselves in a position where we have to call things impure, pure, so that everything is pure. It's all pure. It's all okay. There's no boundaries, there's no categories, there's no boxes. And that's sort of our way of saying, nobody has the right to say what's clean or unclean, what's pure or impure. You just can't even go there. But into this text steps Jesus, <laughs> into this question steps Jesus. And by the end, you're gonna see that only Jesus can make us clean. Jesus doesn't reject the categories of purity. He just makes us pure. And that's the good news today. Salvation is being restored to purity for God. This is a series through the Gospel of Luke that we've titled The Way of Salvation. The whole book is trying to show us this salvation journey that God is bringing us on in Christ. And he is doing it uh, through Jesus. And as Jesus has begun his ministry in Galilee, we come to Luke uh, chapter 5. Uh, he encounters this leper. Now, we need to talk a little bit about clean and unclean and what these categories are. Clean and unclean, uh, specifically what is, what is leprosy? Now, there is a, a medical term for a condition. Uh, it's called Hansen's disease, uh, wh wherein uh, the nerves struggle to communicate, uh, there's a disease and it reaches all the way to the nerves of the skin and so the skin on the outside is unable to uh, basically be healthy. And so a person with Hansen's disease uh, has uh, a disease that's within their body but it's manifested on the skin. Uh, but in the Bible, leprosy was a term that could also be translated as outbreak and it could really cover a number of different skin ailments. It was abrasions, scabs, sores, any sort of, uh, any sor any sort of abnormality on the skin. And the priest had a role, if you look at the book of Leviticus chapter 13 and 14, you'll see that the priests in Israel had a specific function where they were to examine and determine whether or not this skin abnormality was contagious whether or not this skin, skin abnormality had been healed, and ultimately that meant whether or not the person who was afflicted with this abnormality would be let back in among God's people. So leprosy is a broad term in scripture, even though in our day and age, uh, there is a, a certain condition that we often associate with leprosy. Unfortunately, we're not told exactly what this man had. Luke did just say that he was filled with leprosy. But what is the point of clean and unclean? What, what, what is this business all about? Doesn't God love everyone? Why is, why is God making distinctions between clean and unclean, pure and impure? Isn't that a bit unfair of God? Didn't he make us after all? I want to present to you uh, Chilton's definition of purity. He says, purity is best understood as the condition which God demands of his people for contact with him. 
purity is best understood as the condition which God demands of his people for contact with him. Throughout the Bible, men and women are told that even though they're God's image bearers, they are not simply to strut into God's presence. Book of Ecclesiastes says, watch what you say when you go into the presence of God. Uh, the psalmist in Psalm 24, verses 3 to 6, has famously written, Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Who's allowed in? David answers his own question. He says, the one who has clean hands. Here he is using terms of purity. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god, they will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Purity is this condition which God demands of his people for contact with him. Now, in this article that Chilton writes, if you want to look it up in the dictionary of the later New Testament and its development, he goes on to explain that you could become stricken with uncleanness for sort of two reasons. One is you, you possess a contagion, right? We all know what a quarantine is. We've all been through COVID, okay? We know the reality of having something that's contagious and infectious and needing to be separated out. That was one reason you would be declared unclean. Another way you could become unclean is if, if you took possession of something that was exclusively the Lord's. You, you put yourself in a position where you grasped a hold of, laid hold of, laid claim to something that was exclusively God's. We know the famous story of Uzzah and the ark, and they're trying to transport the ark. He reaches out, steadies his hand, and he's struck dead. Here's an example of the impurity that was within Uzzah. He was not holy. He was, did not belong to God. And this uncleanness led to his downfall. This is what God demands of his people. This is really important. Because nowadays we like to say, well, God is loving. Jesus died on the cross. He forgave us of our sins. All those things are true. But what often we mean by that is God has no category distinction for anybody. That God has no standard whatsoever. That righteous and unrighteous are really archaic ideas that morality is a tool of oppression, that the Bible and its teachings about what is defiled, what is undefiled, is really just some sort of leftover cultural artifact. And really, as we've evolved and progressed, we've come to learn that God has no standards whatsoever, and like the lolly man handing out tickets, he just wants people to be loved. You can see how it gets confusing. In this account, Luke is going to reveal Jesus restoring mission in three authoritative yet controversial statements that Jesus makes to the leper. And in these statements, we learn three lessons about Jesus that assure us in our hope. The first lesson we learn is that Jesus embraces the unclean, incredibly controversial. Second, we learn that Jesus has power to undefile. <laughs> he can reverse the defilement. And thirdly, Jesus assumes a priestly role. These are three statements of Jesus' authority that come out of this text. We'll look at these one by one, but first, would you pray with me? God, we're grateful for your word and for your spirit who gives us life. We thank you for 
his work among us. We pray today that your hope and salvation would be seen. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, it would be really great if we had this uh, tool that could just tell us, are we clean, are we unclean? And I was, just, I was thinking about this. I haven't been traveling for a while, and I thought about the next time I go through an airport, it's going to be a bit different for me. You all know those, those little scanners you walk through at the airport. If you haven't been on a plane, I'm sorry, it's going to be a while. But if you've been to an airport, you walk through a scanner, and the thing goes beep, right, if you have metal on you. And a lot of us we would love to just have this thing that just says, are we, are we right or are we not right? Am I clean? Am I unclean? But we think about it in terms of walking through the metal detector. And occasionally, if you're rushing through the airport, you walk through the metal detector, beep, the guy looks at you, and he says, ah, oh, you left your belt on. Oh, your wallet's still in your pocket. And you say, oh, okay, oh, let me just back up. I'll back up. I'll take off my belt. I'll pull out my wallet. Here, I forgot I had this on me. Now I'll walk through. I don't hear anything. I'm okay. This is how a lot of us perceive purity. I have something on my person, I need to take it off, and then I will be clean. But it occurred to me, the next time I walk through an airport, it's going to be an awkward conversation. Because last year, I had hip surgery, and I now have titanium in me. I'm not, I'm not an Avenger, maybe. But, but I have titanium in me now, so I have to walk through, and this thing's going to go beep. And the guy's going to say, oh, are you wearing your belt? I'm saying, no. Uh, do, do you have a wallet in your pocket? No, no. How about what? No. I have no metal on me, but I have metal in me. That's a bit strange. This is how we deal with our impurity. This is a truer picture of our impurity. Our impurity is within us. But this story presents a man whose impurity was manifested physically, but you'll see by the end, Jesus is going to convey something powerful and true. The first statement Jesus makes is, I am willing, Luke 5, verse 12. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. Literally, the text says, filled with leprosy. An interesting word to describe an external condition. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Now to give us some sort of picture of what this man's condition meant for him, again, I, I want to go back and I want to share this quote from you. Israel's existence was balanced on a knife's edge according to the overall concept of purity. On the one side were the basic impurities which God categorically would not tolerate. On the other side was the holiness which destroyed even what was pure by simple contact. Defining what is pure was held to be Israel's charter for existence. If you look through the history of the people of Israel, <clears throat> excuse me, God said to them that he was giving them this land because the people who lived there before had defiled it. And the land had become so defiled, God said the land is going to vomit them out. Their impurity was so great that even the creation over which they were supposed to exercise dominion could not tolerate the defilement, and therefore the land, God said, was going to vomit them out. And so the command to Israel was to maintain your purity. Their, their land, their existence as a people was tied to their purity. And so if you read through in the book of Leviticus, someone who was covered with leprosy was faced with 
a life outside the margins. A leper, according to Leviticus chapter 13, would have to dress in rags, would have to live outside the camp. And if they saw somebody coming close to them, they would have to open their mouth and cry, unclean, unclean, unclean. In other words, don't touch me. I'm dangerous to you. He was taken out of his family. He was taken out of his work. And no one could even really get close to him. You could say that his life was defined by his disease. His life was defined by his condition. It determined his reality. Not many of us would fall under the condition of biblical condition of having leprosy, but many of us are defined by our disease, aren't we? Many of us define ourselves by the conditions that we have. And it becomes this sort of life that is taken on by, by the diagnosis that you're given, by, by the words that were said against you, by the condemnation that was levied upon you, by the sin that you can't break away from. You're not too unlike this man. What's amazing, though, when you come to this man as he is, he's in, he sees Jesus, he doesn't doubt his ability to cleanse him. But what is he doubting? You see, he doesn't have a power question about Jesus. He's not thinking, oh, I don't know this guy can really make me clean. He questions if he wants to. Now ask yourself, why would he question that? Maybe it's from years and years and years of having to tell anyone who came near you, get away from me, I'm not clean. And so he sees in Jesus someone who is able to make him clean, but he's not quite sure in his mind if he wants to. Why? Because his identity is defined by his disease and everything up to this point in his life has told him that this is who he is. This condition is who he is. And so even, even with faith, though he recognizes the power of Jesus to do what needs to be done, he doubts whether he's willing to actually do it. Does that describe you this morning? You're aware that Jesus has all the power. You're, you're aware that, that he could transform and change you, but you wonder if he really wants to. Am I really, am I really somebody that would be blessed in that way? Am I really somebody that Jesus, that, that Jesus would want to change or transform? But notice he risks everything and he approaches Jesus. He comes to him. So learn this lesson from the leper. Faith risks exposing our impurity. You see, in our day and age, we, we often try to cover it up. Or, or, or we have the whole backstory that, that explains it away. Or, or we just simply try to fix it on our own. This man understands he needs cleansing. He is impure. He is defiled. He knows he needs cleansing. He believes that Jesus can do it, but he recognizes that he must front up, 
that he must come before him. And when he comes, note how he comes. He falls at his feet. He prostrates himself in worship. And now here the second human being in this gospel addresses Jesus by his proper title, which is Lord. The first one was last week, Peter, with the miraculous catch of fish. Peter said, Lord, go away from me. I'm a sinner. Here this man says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. You see, he's made the right identification. He's understood that his condition needs to be fixed. He needs to be cleansed. And if we can just have a word, brothers and sisters, sin is not something that is to be reveled in, dallied in. It's not something that's inconsequential. It is extremely consequential. It is something to be cleansed from. It is something to be liberated from. If you try to take your sin issue into the world, they're either going to tell you, oh, that's not sin, that's not, it's not really a big deal. See, here's a whole bunch, of other, whole bunch of other people who do the same thing. They're fine. You're fine. If this man looked around at his fellow lepers, they could have told him, ah, oh, don't worry about it. Look, look, look at this life we have out here, you know? Yeah, sure, we're, we're not like those people in there, but we have our own colony. We have our own identity. We have our own rights. We're going to start the leper party. He could have covered himself up and tried to just sort of sneak into the presence of Jesus and just try to, try to just quietly somehow hope that, that, that the healing power would just sort of radiate off of him. But let me tell you, he understood properly, if you're going to be healed, you must front up to Jesus. If you would be changed, if you would be cleansed, you must come before him. You must risk exposing your impurity. You must risk bearing your shame. If you're a young person here this morning, stop hiding your shame. That's how high school works. That's how a lot of adulthood works. Don't fall into the trap. It gets you nowhere. If there is something that is defiling you, you need to bring it into the light. You need to bring it to God. Jesus says, I am willing. What, what amazing words. He says, I am willing, and he touches him. Now, you may recall from the synagogue, when Jesus introduced himself, he said, he brought to mind two examples, the, the example of Elijah, Elijah and the example of Elisha. And Jesus told the, the, the synagogue gathered at, at Nazareth, he said, there was a lot of other lepers in Israel, but Naaman was healed. But here Jesus presents himself as better than Elisha. You see, Elisha, the prophet, when he was healing Naaman, that foreign commander, Naaman came and, and basically knocked at the door of his house. And from the, from the upper room, Elisha said, yeah, just go wash over there. He maintained his distance. But here Jesus closes the gap entirely. The man fronts up to Jesus. He says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus, what does he do? He reaches out his hand and he touches him. Reaches out his hand and he touches him. Whereas Naaman is healed at a distance, this leper is healed at the feet of Jesus under the touch of his tender hand. I get that you, you may have no one in your life who wants to deal with the thing that's defiling you. I get that. I get that. Human beings 
are disgusted by many things, and maybe people have told you they're disgusted by your life, and they're not in a position to be able to actually deal with it. Can I tell you, Jesus is in a position to deal with it. No matter how many people have told you this is untouchable, you're disgusting, I'm not going to get into this with you, I, I don't have the space, the capacity to do this, trust me, Jesus is able to do that. Jesus crosses the disgust barrier. He crosses the barrier of impurity, and he performs a reverse contagion and actually heals the man. The story of the Good Samaritan, which we'll look at in several weeks from now, as the, as the priest and the Levite are passing by and they don't help the man on the side of the road, you might have read that and thought, oh, just what pompous, callous people. They don't even see someone who's hurting and they don't even want to help them. Not that that's not true, but their concern is becoming impure by touching a dead body. They're concerned about being clean. Jesus here knows he is clean, and so he touches the man. The second thing Jesus says to the man is to be clean. And as I said earlier, Jesus reverses the contagion. Verse 13, Jesus reaches out his hand, touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean, and immediately the leprosy left him. The way Luke has constructed this, he wants you to understand that the healing took place not at the touch of Jesus, but the healing took place at the word of Jesus. He released him. Jesus' word carries power. And at his pronouncement of him being clean, he is cleansed. The leprosy immediately leaves him. Just like the fever left Simon's mother-in-law and just like the demon left the man who cried out in the synagogue. Jesus simply needs to speak the word and his power is released. We looked last week at the first sort of habit of faith that transformed people live by, which is to believe, which is to take Jesus at his word. We're not saying take Jesus at his word because, well, that's just a, a really nice mantra, and if you just do that over and over and over again, you'll eventually think it's true. No, we say take Jesus at his word because his word is powerful. Because what he says abides. What he speaks into existence is created. What he condemns is destroyed. What he dismisses will leave. Whom he receives is pardoned. Learn the second lesson from the leper, that our cleansing comes at the word of Christ. Jesus alone can remove our defilement. The thing that makes you and I unclean in the sight of God, the things that need to be forgiven, our, our, our impurity, it comes, it becomes clean at the word of Christ. Because Jesus pronounces forgiven, we are forgiven. When Jesus calls this man clean, he is clean. But notice here that Jesus is not contaminated by this man. It works the other way. His righteousness makes this man pure. Can I tell you, Christian, nothing will make you pure except the righteousness of Jesus Christ. There is nothing that will make you holy 
Nothing that will make you good enough except the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's his purity that becomes yours. That's what the cross is all about. The cross is all about substitution and exchange. We keep talking about the cross not because as Christians we have some sort of strange fascination with death and, and, and brutality from the first century. That's not why we talk about the cross. We talk about the cross because that's the place where this transaction is able to occur. Where I am allowed to be imputed, to be given, to, to have the righteousness of Christ cover me, to be clothed and cleansed. Because he is sinless. And this great exchange takes place where all, all of my defilement is cast upon him and all of his pure holiness is put upon myself. What a feeling it is to be clean. What a feeling it is to be clean. You forget it sometimes, don't you? Maybe you go away camping or you've just had a busy few days and, and you, you're, you're working out and, and, and you're, you're on a job site or you're just hectic with life and you finally step into the shower and that feeling and you're like, oh my goodness, I forgot what it feels to be clean. Imagine the reality of the soul. What will your soul do when you know that you're clean? How will you respond when you accept, when you believe that Christ has made you pure? How does that change the way you think? How does that change the way you act? The third authoritative statement that Jesus makes to the man is, go, show yourself. Notice what started as a simple healing quickly turns to a command. I'm not thrilled with the way the NIV has represented this because uh, the, the quote actually starts midway through the sentence. But the, the idea is the same. Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone. Literally, he said not to tell anyone. And then Luke resumes the quote, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Now there were two stages to the part of cleansing if you were someone who had leprosy and you were to be cleaned according to the Levitical law. The first stage was to have the priest inspect you and to pronounce you clean. The second stage was for you to go and to offer the sacrifices that showed you had been restored to fellowship and you'd been restored to relationship to God and to his people. So what's going on here? Jesus is saying, you don't need a priest to check you out because I've called you clean. He's saying, skip step one, go to step two. Go to the temple and offer your sacrifices because I've told you you're clean. He is stepping into the priestly role. He's saying, I have the ultimate authority. I have the final say on who is clean and who is unclean. And I tell you, leper, you've been cleansed. Now go and offer your sacrifices of thankfulness because you've been restored. Jesus is very careful not to invalidate what God has written in the law, but he cannot help but... <laughs> supersede it because he is a better priest, because he is God himself. 
He doesn't abolish the law. He fulfills the law. And here he's able to tell the man, go and be clean. Go offer your sacrifices because he has rendered the final verdict. You see? It's like having that friend who's a doctor. And you're like, oh, should I make the appointment with the GP? Well, I'll just call my buddy. Oh, hey, here's my symptoms. They're like, oh, you're fine. All right, great. (laughs) Jesus renders the final verdict on this man. But he's told to go, show himself to the priest. Again, as Chilton says, the sufferer from outbreak attributes to Jesus the ability to adjudicate the status of his skin. And Jesus accepts the responsibility of telling him that he may proceed directly to the sacrificial moment, which is to occur after cleanness has been declared. Although Jesus is not portrayed as taking over any sacrificial function, he is explicitly assigned, within the terms of the reference to the story itself, the authority to pronounce on matters of purity. Jesus is the deciding factor. And so we come to our last lesson from the leper. When Jesus declares you're clean, we're now restored to God's people. We're brought in to a new family. And the testimony of the man is the life himself. He says, go show yourself. Show yourself to the priest. Present yourself. This this man's life is a testimony. What would have been communicated to the priest at the temple when he went to offer the sacrifice? It would have been communicated that there is someone in Galilee who has the power to cleanse lepers. Part of the reason leprosy was so feared is because the people looked like a living corpse. That was how their physical body manifested itself. They presented themselves, they looked like a living corpse. And there was fear, there was disgust. But Jesus touches this walking dead man. He restores him. He gives him new life. And now the man's put in a position, what is he going to do? Is he going to go back to his leper friends? Is he going to go back into the city? Is he going to go and do what Christ told him to do? Jesus understood that he could speak quite loudly through a life. Never underestimate the power of God to speak through your life through your witness. What's so amazing about Jesus is he receives, his touch receives the untouchable. His word can purify the defiled and his judgment carries final authority so that when Jesus says you're clean, you're clean. Paul understood this. Paul understood this when he was writing to the Corinthians. He says, think about what you were when God called you. You weren't rich. You weren't noble. You weren't really much of anything. But now you belong to God. In another of his letters, as he's encouraging people not to continue in sin, he he tells them, he says, don't act like adulterers or fornicators. Don't, Don't give yourself to greed. Don't act with malice and and anger and don't act out of envy. 
God's judgment falls on these people. And that's what you were. But now you've been washed and you've been cleansed. Brothers and sisters, part of living the transformed life is embracing what the gospel says about you and who you are. Maybe you're stuck in a cycle where you thought Jesus was willing to forgive the sins before you met him, but you have to keep that forgiveness in your own strength afterwards. Can I tell you, Jesus has power and authority to forgive all your sins that you will ever commit. And that when he says you are mine, when, when he says you are forgiven, that, that that is a status that is conferred upon you forever. You are justified in God's sight. And so the question is, as people who've been justified, as people who've been brought into the family of God, you've been adopted into his family, well now how do you see yourself? You see, how foolish would, would it have been for that man to go to the temple, offer his sacrifices, and then on his way home, not go back to his family, not, not, not go back to his work, but to just go and put on his old rags again and go sit in the dirt with the other lepers. You say, why would you do that? And yet that's how foolish it looks for some of us who've been forgiven and cleansed and purified by Christ to walk back into sin. Paul's like, like, why would you do that? You've been cleansed of these things that have defiled you. Why would you continue living in them any longer? And so the question is, who do you think you are? Not in the bullying sense, who do you think you are? But no, seriously, who do you believe you are? Are you those God has cleansed? Are you those God has forgiven? It's amazing how Jesus transformed this man's life in a single encounter. Everything was different. Jesus does the same for us. As the band comes forward, I want to ask you to reflect. What does it mean to be clean. Who do I believe has the actual authority to tell me if I'm clean in God's sight or not? If you're trying to make that judgment for yourself, can I suggest you don't have the ability to make that judgment? But Jesus has the authority to make that judgment. And if he has forgiven you, and if his death cleansed you, if his spirit indwells you and is sanctifying your hearts, then why not live like one who's been forgiven? Why not live like one who's been cleaned? Let's pray. God, we're so grateful for your changing power, and I pray for those who are unsure if you're willing I pray that they would come to you. Lord, for those who are weary, who've been trying to cover up their shame, who've been carrying it for so long, I pray you allow them to just drop it at your feet. God, you have all authority. You've 
put everything under the feet of Christ. His word is powerful and his word is authoritative. May we accept his word about us. May that clarify who we are and how we are to live. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.